0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, everybody out there in the United States. We are coming on tour in January to select cities.
1: Yeah, so probably the city where you are is really, really cold. Yeah. Come down below (laughs) the frost line and see us.
0: Yeah, and you know, if you're in a cold place, we might see in the spring or summer. Don't fret. Sure. But uh, for now, we are sold out in San Francisco, San Diego, and Austin. Right. You can still get tickets in Dallas, Atlanta, Birmingham, mm-hmm. and New Orleans. And if you live in Mississippi, you might want to go to Birmingham if you're interested in seeing us. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, surrounding areas around Birmingham. Sure, anywhere in the southeast. Yeah. Maybe Atlanta and Birmingham are your best shots at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can make it to uh, New Orleans or Birmingham from the state of Florida, too.
0: Yeah, over in the panhandle. Yeah. Yeah, just creep up north a bit. Come on up.
1: So come see us. If you want ticket information, go to sysklive.com, which is our wonderful website powered by Squarespace. That's right.
0: Who are also
1: sponsoring our tour because they're cool.
0: That is right. Yeah. So we'll see you guys then. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hi and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry. This is stuff you should know. Uh, that ho- yep. That was my Isaac Newton impression. Uh, really? Yeah. You didn't have an accent. That was his. That's what he sounded like. Oh, okay. It's very. It's a very uh, common misconception that British people. Yeah. In the 17th century, <laughs> sound like British people today. Yeah. They actually sounded exactly like how I just did. All
0: right. Boy, you did extra research then. It's mm-hmm. pretty good.
1: I travel back in time.
0: I wish, way back in Chicago. Uh we, we just had a nice 10-minute discussion, uh, Jerry and you and I, about, or me, or I. Uh, Who cares? I. Yeah. About uh, pop culture things that we've ingested since our break six weeks ago. Yep. And that could be a show. Everyone wants to know what we watched and absorbed and how we feel about it but they never will we talked about making of a murderer yeah or making a murderer yeah we talked about hateful eight and star wars right and the revenant yep yeah. people want to know but they never will got to keep it mysterious right guys that's right and all this leads to isaac newton
1: who it was uh, so you know um wolf from science world Wolfram Science World is a very, very bona fide science website. No dumbing down there. I've heard of it. So Wolfram put it like this. He's the bomb diggity. It is no, <laughs> <laughs> it is no exaggeration to say that Isaac Newton is the single most important contributor to the development of modern science. And Wolf from Science World knows what they're talking about when it comes to contributors to science.
0: Yeah, you know what? I will agree with that, even though we will see he was many things, including a little screwy. Super screwy. But um, what I gathered after researching this dude is that science, this was 17th century stuff going on. Science was the Wild West. Yeah. And he came in like a sheriff and basically brought order and discipline and said, this is the way we should do things if we want to be taken seriously, guys. Varmints. Um, you can't just say things like the world's flat. You got to prove it.
1: Oh, or, or this is kind of the thinking. And he, he really kind of rose to prominence while the scientific revolution was already going. Sure. But he very much contributed to it because still at the time you could be like, well, the, uh, the earth spins because God spun it, and it is God's will. (laughs) Yeah, and like people would be like, "Absolutely, scientist." Not the case after Newton came along. No, it's
0: like you got to prove the stuff. There's got to be a method in place. You got to test things again and again. He was—I didn't know this. He was one of the, or if not the first person to average data. Yeah. What did they do before that? Just cherry pick something? Probably.
1: They're like, oh, that looks like a nice round number. I'll go, I'll use this one. So like if he measured, say, the, um, how long a top spun. Yeah. Because that's what scientists measure, right? Sure. A lot of top spinning. Um, if he measured it four or five times and he got different measurements every time.
0: Yeah. I guess before they would just pick whatever one they liked the most. It just seems so. He was the first one to average. Yeah. It just seems so second nature to think. Well, averaging something is what you should do. Right. But back then it wasn't. No, and that's, a, that, so that came up a, a lot while I was
1: reading this article. This is a very good article by Jacob Silverman. who yeah. One on Jeopardy. Jeopardy, baby. champion. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, 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 the way that he portrayed Newton, I think it, it gets across that we take Newton's work so for granted these days. Oh yeah, absolutely. As just, That's the way the universe works. Right. That to think otherwise is just totally alien to us. Yeah. And it's, that's just such evidence of how much that man single-handedly changed the world. Absolutely. But you also can't say single-handedly. He's, uh, his genius is unequivocal, right? Yeah. But he also did definitely stand on the backs of giants, on the shoulders of giants, people who came before him. As all scientists do. And the work of his peers. Yeah. But he also liked to take a lot of the credit for himself yes. sometimes unnecessarily. Yeah. He was a very complex man. He was uh, a scientist yeah. who deeply believed in God. He believed that yeah. he, that there was law and order that could be deduced that could be investigated, but it was orderly and rational because
0: God was an orderly, rational creator. Yeah, he he saw sought logic and he thought God was that logic. Right. He also
1: thought that the stuff that he was uncovering was actually ancient wisdom that was being recovered yeah. from pre-Christian civilizations that That's had That's where it gets a little screwy. Yeah, that had um kind of Da Vinci coded uh this knowledge in things like
0: pyramids and stuff like that. Yeah, and that he was hand selected as a select few to uncover this knowledge.
1: Oh, yeah, so much so that he he made a Yeah, this is the best. He made a name for himself, Chuck. And once you start to really investigate Newton, you can just kind of see him, like, tittering to himself as he's talking to himself in his chambers at Cambridge, calling himself this out loud to an empty room.
0: Yeah, he was, uh, he changed his name, uh, or didn't change it, I'm sorry. He had a special name for himself. Yeah. uh, Jehovah Sanctus Unis, which means Jehovah the Holy One.
1: And he he got that name by rolling a 20-sided die several (laughs) times. Yeah.
0: So that was his special... Uh, I guess Council of of unique scientists, like yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, right. that was his superhero <laughs> name.
1: Yeah, and he he was an alchemist as well. He very seriously pursued the study of turning plain old metal into gold. Yeah, of um finding long life elixirs. Uh, he was a very complex man. Yeah, and a lot of people like to put him in in this this um rational scientist compartment as, like, how we view scientists today, typically.
0: And he wasn't that. You just can't look at science the same in the 17th century as you do today.
1: No, because it wasn't. Like, this guy was helping form science today. Yeah. And at the time, it was he was seeking answers to the universe wherever. There there weren't many boundaries to him. Like, if he could come to uh, conclusions about the universe through weird mysticism, then whatever, he still came to the same conclusions that he did through mathematics which by the way a major part of of which he helped develop single-handedly almost
0: yeah it was kind of a weird time because you could on one hand be a very rational thinker and say you have to prove this but you can also say that lady didn't float so she's a witch yeah and that's why she drowned yeah and and be completely like normal
1: right say it with a straight face
0: yeah it was like like newton like i can turn this mercury into gold right yeah. There's an elixir that'll let you live forever. Sure. And I can also say you should average data and write the Principia.
1: Right. I can also literally discover gravity. Yeah. Like, there was no such thing as gravity as far as humans were concerned before Isaac Newton came along.
0: All right. So that's a great setup. Whew. That was uh, even better than our danger <laughs> field setup. So January 4th, which is yesterday in real time, was his actual birthday. Did not know that. Weird timing. Um. Was, uh, it well, depends yeah. on the calendar, buddy. True.
1: Depends on the calendar.
0: Christmas Day or January Fourth, right?
1: Yes, but like a year apart rather than like a week or so apart.
0: Right, because one of the great myths is that he was born on Galileo's the day he Galileo died. Right, and which it, means that he's not true, right? Galileo reincarnated.
1: Is that what people say? Some people gotcha. Some people like Isaac Newton. Probably. I don't think he said that. But yeah, that was using the old uh, Julian calendar. When you use the Gregorian calendar, his birthday was actually Jan uh, January fourth of the following year, or no, of the year before, I think.
0: Oh, wow. So he got younger.
1: No, of the same year. So like, if he was born December twenty fifth on one calendar, oh, okay. For the other calendar, he would go back in time. Yeah, yeah. To the beginning of that same year. Right. So almost a year apart. And the reason that there is a weird discrepancy is um, in 1582, the Catholic nations converted from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Full 100 or so years before Newton, or a little less than 100 years. But it wasn't until the 1750s yeah. that the British Isles, Protestants, converted to that Gregorian or Catholic calendar. We should do one of calendars. Oh, we definitely should.
0: More complex than you think.
1: But in the... In, in the, in the continent and in Great Britain or the UK, um, they, which one? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Still, after all yeah. these years. So it's Great Britain and Northern Ireland, right? The United Kingdom and Northern Ireland.
0: I, I'm just going to let you go down this oh, road. Oh, man.
1: Anyway, <laughs> uh, they used to notate dates with, um, old style and new style, depending on what calendar. Gotcha. So anyway, that's the whole discrepancy between his birth date. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does Sure it does.
0: Uh, all right, so let's go back in time. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. Yes. And go back to one of those two days, depending on our calendar, that we have in the Wayback Machine, how it's programmed. Well, the Wayback
1: Machine's programmed to... Um, the, Gregorian? No, to Unix. Oh. So it's fine.
0: <laughs> Great. Uh, so we are back when he was born as a little baby. He was, uh, premature and very sickly. And here's how things can go in the world. He wasn't supposed to live. And, like, what would the world have been like without Isaac Newton? Pretty dark. Yeah, or at least it would have taken longer, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it just would have been someone else. Like,
1: the, the clapper would have been invented, but we would just <laughs> assume it worked because God willed it to. That's right.
0: Uh, born, uh, in 18, I'm sorry, 1643, not 1843. No, that's Darwin. Um, he was from a family of farmers that did pretty well for themselves. Uh, although his dad, Isaac, died before, a few months before he was born. And was
1: an illiterate farmer? Yeah. Who was successful at his work.
0: But very big that his father died before he was born because he never quite got over that. He ended up, um, living for a short time with his mother and and new stepdad, Reverend Barnabas Smith. But he sounded Mm -hmm. like a jerk. Yeah. Who did not like Isaac. Said, I cast thee out. And he was cast out and lived with his maternal grandmother. For basically. Like,
1: for nine years from age three to twelve.
0: Yeah. I mean, was pretty much raised by his maternal grandmother.
1: Yeah. And he was apparently old enough to realize what was going on because the, any psychoanalyst would have a field day with Newton. Yeah. Because he grew up to be a very insecure man. Yeah. Who uh, had a l- tremendous amount of difficulty trusting people. Yeah. Because he who, was rejected. <coughs> yes. By, by so. his mother. Um, and who, who, uh, who suffered from what you would probably call these days hostile attribution bias, Okay. where the, any, any slight or something was clearly intended by the other party. Right. Everybody else was hostile and out to get them. Not necessarily making them paranoid, but just any slight was intentional. Yeah. yeah. Even when it was unintentional, which it took is it a terrible very way to live. Yeah, yeah. It took everything personally.
0: Interesting. So this led, uh, over his life to a couple of nervous breakdowns, um, and you know that also had to do with the fact that he worked tirelessly and didn't sleep well right. and was in a lot of ways a prototypical scientist like he never got married and was just consumed with his work and didn't take care of himself and uh sort of obsessed with his with his life's work
1: yeah and uh, uh, some people have posthumously diagnosed him including Simon Baron-Cohen who's a um an expert on autism and uh uh Aspergers Borat his relative. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't think it's his brother, but I, they are related. Oh, wow. Yeah. Seriously. I was totally kidding. Well, you're totally right.
0: Uh, so what did he diagnose him with? Asperger's. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: But that's definitely come under fire lately. Right. They think that, so there's something, um, called, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but in 16, uh, his second, his second nervous breakdown in the 1690s, he, um, they, he stopped doing any kind of scientific research after that. Yeah. And he apparently m- declined mentally compared to his previous state, which means that he came down to about normal levels, I would guess. But they think that it was actually mercury poisoning.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. From all the alchemy?
1: Yeah. And, and that he wasn't necessarily autistic. It's an easy catch-all to, to, to put him in that, uh, um, yeah. in that, again, in that compartment these days. But we don't know enough about him. Right. To say that whether he was autistic, like, like one of the, um, one of the evidences was that he didn't play with the other kids. Um, he just right. kept to himself.
0: So, so they're like, well, that, that
1: shows a lack of social communication yeah. skills or, or, um, you know, being able to uh, connect with others. But then if you look back at, at historical data, he, he, he tried to hang out with his peers at school, but they didn't like hanging out with him because he was too smart for them. Right. So they shunned him. Right. So you know, does that make him autistic? Or, right. Or does does that mean he had autism spectral disorder, spectrum disorder, or yeah. Asperger's? You can't say he may no, have, but it's easy to
0: go back now and, right. and put people on the on the spectrum.
1: But they do think because he was uh, exhumed a few hundred years after his death, and they found a lot. Of mercury still, right? Like in his um system, wow, or in his bones, I would guess. Yeah. Um, and they think that he he inadvertently poisoned himself, and that that led to his second nervous breakdown and mental decline.
0: Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break here, and uh, we'll talk about his schooling years right after this. Alright, so Newton in school, uh, wasn't a great student in high school, um, he- <laughs> What was the mascot? His of high, high school, school? mascot, yet. Was there, was there one? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Cause I thought there were those- God, that would be like really great trivia. Yeah. Newton's high school mascot.
1: What was yours in Cilento's? My what? If, remember Salento? The kid who's like, watch me whip, watch me nay nae, you guys went to the same high school, remember I told you that?
0: Oh! We were the Reed Ann Raiders. Raiders, okay. Yeah. And my elementary school was the Reed Ann Lil Raiders.
1: Oh, that is cute. Didn't it? Yeah.
0: L-I-L. Um, so he wasn't a great student. He, uh, was also a terrible farmer because, of course, being, uh, the son of a farmer, they were like, you need to work on the farm. And there are some people that think he'd purposefully, like he was clearly smart enough to do this, right. but purposefully failed at it so he didn't have to do it. Yeah. Cause he was really into book learning. Yep. Uh, so that makes sense to me. Um, he did continue his education because he wasn't farming, uh, went on to Cambridge, but, um, had to act as a valet to wealthy students for a little while. Yeah. He paid his
1: way through, uh, basically what we would consider undergraduate school.
0: Yeah. And then he got a scholarship, which uh, allowed him to continue, um, through his, uh, graduate studies.
1: But all that didn't happen in like some smooth thing. So he went to school first. His mom came back for him. Took him out of school, tried to set him up as a farmer. He failed at that. Ended up going to Cambridge, working his way, working to pay his own way through Cambridge. Why, though? If
0: they had money, did they not want to pay for school, I wonder?
1: I I think maybe his mom wasn't happy about it or something. I'm not sure. Okay,
0: because that's the only thing I couldn't figure out. Because she did have money, money, for
1: sure. Um, But he had to pay his own way through Cambridge, at least undergrad. And while he was there as an undergrad, Chuck, he he pursued his own studies.
0: Yeah, he basically got a syllabus each quarter, tore it up, yeah. and said, "You guys don't know this yet, but I'm Isaac Newton, <laughs> right. and I'm going to invent a great figgy cookie mm-hmm. and a lot of other great stuff."
1: That is a great figgy cookie.
0: Um so oh,
1: so he he almost he basically failed out or yeah, almost did. He's
0: self-educating himself.
1: But there's a man named Isaac Barrow who was the Lucasian uh chair yeah. professor. And he took a notice of Newton and said, I think there's a little more to this kid than appears to meet the eye.
0: Yeah, he was the Robin Williams to Newton's Matt Damon.
1: Precisely.
0: You know? Precisely. Except Damon was a, a custodian and Newton was an actual student.
1: But he did clean rooms, too.
0: Yeah. So there
1: is a pretty deep parallel there. How about that? But um, so Newton got his hands on something by the guy who came up with the Mercator Projection. I can't remember his first name, and basically took this book and expounded on it. Um, And it was just mind-blowing stuff that he did. And he did it as like a 21, 22-year-old. Crazy. And Barrow got his hands on it and said, you need to stick around. So he ended up getting him basically a, a four-year scholarship for postgraduate studies.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but he, uh, for various reasons, which we'll get into here and there, Newton was reluctant to publish a lot of times. Yeah. And Barrow was the one that... Really helped him say like, you know, you need to get this out there. This is great stuff. Right. You've right. got yeah, Matt Damon. Yes. Like, you know what kind of movies you're going to be in after this? Yeah. You're, they're, gonna... they're,
1: you're going to be <laughs> Private Ryan.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're going to be Jason Bourne. Yeah. And The Martian.
1: Sure. You
0: Which... can't think of any other Matt Damon movies, can you? Uh,
1: sure, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, of course. Oh, you're going to be The Scoundrel and The Departed.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great movie.
1: It is. I thought Jack really overdid it in that one. Oh, I loved it. Although, dude, I'll tell you something. Another movie I saw recently was The Shining. Which yeah, I should I say too. I saw it recently because I see The Shining probably every
0: three months. Yeah, I saw it again recently.
1: I think that that might be the best movie ever made.
0: It's pretty great.
1: I, and no joke. I yeah. really think The Shining might be the, at least my favorite movie of all time.
0: Mm hmm. Boy, he, uh, Kubrick. He can set a mood.
1: <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. And you can watch it. I can watch it anytime. Yeah, me too. Anytime of year, anytime of day, any day of the week. It's, I can watch Christmas The It's Christmas morning. Yeah. Let's watch The Shining. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'll enjoy it just as much as I
0: would on like <laughs> Halloween or something, you know? It's my honeymoon night. Let's watch The Shining. <laughs> right. All the normal times. Sure. So um, Newton eventually, uh, well, actually, not eventually, he was forced to leave Cambridge for um, a little while because the bubonic plague sh- swathed through London to the tune of about a hundred thousand people dead in six months that's quick so they closed Cambridge and said everyone go home he went home and everyone go home to London <laughs> get out, out of here. London <laughs> he went home and uh had a what they call later a year of miracles the annus mirabilis uh and it was a little bit mythical in that supposedly he came up with all the great stuff of his career in this one year. Right. Probably played up for the newspapers.
1: Or, you know, for his own reputation of, of the yeah. age.
0: Because uh, in reality, he did come up with a lot of great stuff, but he clearly didn't come up with everything in that year. He might have started a lot of good uh, conversations in his head about things. Right. But um it, it was... A little trumped up that it was the Year of Miracles.
1: So it, it probably, like you said, there were some things I'm sure that he thought of during this year. But he I, loved again, story. he placed his entire career in this one year, Yeah, uh, including the apple falling from the tree.
0: Should we go ahead and cover that? Sure. Did it happen?
1: Uh, probably not. And even if it did, it didn't. It, it, historians are like, that is a fairy tale. On its face. You can yeah. tell it's a fairy tale. But Newton himself is like, oh, no, this happened. This this is really true. This is where it's the right. theory of uh, gravitational um, force sure came from.
0: Yeah, like he was laying on the ground, supposedly, looking up at the moon, wondering, how's that thing just sitting up there? Yeah, Apple why falls. isn't it
1: spin off into space?
0: Yeah, Apple falls, and he puts it all together. Sounds kind of unbelievable. It sounds like folklore to me.
1: It does, but again, he promoted this story. Sure he, he was did. definitely uh, for somebody who was just a hair's breadth away from being uh, a shut-in. Yeah, and there was a D in there. It was breadth, not yeah. breath. I know the difference. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and he didn't have virtually any friends. Uh, he had not one but two nervous breakdowns in his lifetime. Yeah, he was very insecure. He was also a, like an astute self-promoter.
0: Yeah, he, he had a lot of contradictory sort of traits, <laughs> I think. For sure. So, um, like we said earlier, he was, uh, very much noted for his precision, uh, with notes and experimentation, um, with the averaging of data and, uh, what else? Uh, the scientific method, of course. Putting these things into place.
1: Yeah, the scientific method was already around. Yeah. He didn't come up with a scientific method, but he definitely refined it and, and created the scientific method as we recognize it today. Under ideal scientific inquiry, when when a scientist today follows that scientific procedure, what he's doing, basically, or she, is following in Newton's footsteps. Yeah, Like, Newton took this thing and said, here's the best way to do this. Like... You, 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 make some observations. From these observations, you come up with a theory, mm-hmm. and then you figure out an experiment to test that theory. Yeah. And then you either you discard the theory, yeah. or you, um, you, yeah, you test it again in, until the theory becomes basically, for all intents and purposes, proven. And like you said, as a result, after, after this, coming up with it, when he laid this stuff down in his, uh, Principia Mathematica,
0: um, which is his big, his, not his life's work, but his, his biggest published work. Yeah. As far as being, uh, widely accepted and, re- and remarkable and game changing.
1: Yes. Universe changing. Yeah. Quite literally. Or at least it changed our understanding of the universe. Um, when he, when he laid all this stuff down, it's, it's, it wasn't like you could just say it is because God wills it anymore. It was like, here is the framework for science from here on out. Right.
0: Follow this. This is the best practice. And there's math behind all of it.
1: And, and that was another thing, too. Like, So let's talk about, you want to talk about his Principia Mathematica?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there was just a little thing in there called the three laws of motion. No biggie for yeah. physics at all. Right. right.
1: So there's inertia. Um, a, a body that uh, is at rest tends to stay at rest. Acceleration. Yeah. Which means things go super fast sometimes <laughs> when they're falling. <laughs> And action and reaction, which is uh, the cue ball theory.
0: Yeah. And those are, while he didn't completely invent those, he, he, you know, Galileo started a lot of that talk. Yeah. A lot of that jibber jabber. Right. But Newton really uh, solidified it all. And it's remarkable to think that all these years later, that's still the thing.
1: Well, he solidified it. And so what Galileo did was he said, I've observed this and it seems to be. Universally applicable. Right. That if, if a ball is sitting there on a table and nothing's moving it, no wind is blowing, there's no force acting upon it, it's not going to spontaneously move. Yeah. And people went, Galileo, that was, that's amazing. Can you explain why? And Galileo was like, no. Newton came (laughs) along and he said, I can explain why. Right. And he added a, a third law of motion to that. And the whole point was he figured out that everything has mass, everything that has mass, has some sort of force acting upon it. Right. And as a result, also, can exert force on other bodies that have mass. Yeah. And what he figured out that force was, or that magical thing, was gravity. Uh, universal gravitation.
0: Right. Which, uh, his law of universal gravitation, which is also in the Principia. Um, and again, I, I don't think you can overstate this, Chuck. Yeah.
1: People knew that, like... The moon went around the earth and that it was somehow adhered to the earth. Right. But they didn't really know why. Right. And out of nowhere, like no one before him had ever suggested maybe it's this thing called gravity. Right. Newton, his perspective of the universe gave us the idea of gravity. It wasn't there before Newton. It's amazing. It was there because of Newton. It's here now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a huge contribution, just that alone.
0: And he's not one of these scientists, that's like a seventh-century scientist said this, and he was close, but it turns out he was wrong in every way, but it was a good start. Like, right. Einstein, although Einstein did go on to, to change and uh, not ad- adapt, well, I guess he adapted, but Newton was wrong in some cases, but some of these sure. laws are still spot on. Right. And this is like the mid to late 1600s. Yeah, they definitely, it's amazing.
1: our understanding of gravity has been refined tremendously by, yeah. by um, Einstein and the idea of uh, relativity and quantum mechanics and all that. But for what Newton was doing, yes, he explained the universe. He in was those the terms. OG. He was.
0: Uh, he was the first person to say, you know what, uh, this white light you see isn't actually white. It's actually a spectrum of colors. Yeah. And everyone's like, What? He did this as a student, And he said, watch this. And he got out of Prism, and bam. And everyone went, whoa. He got out of Prism? Prism.
1: Oh, I got (laughs) you. Yeah, and then we had the Dark Side of the Moon album cover. So you can thank Newton for that as well.
0: That's right. And he published that in 1704, which is way after he experimented with Prisms, because he was reluctant to publish things a lot. So let's talk about that. That was published in Optics, though, with a CK. Yeah, like Magic... I guess they dropped magic.
1: Yeah. Sometimes magic is spelled with a K, which oh, really? you know it's like the real thing. Oh gotcha. <laughs> so let's talk about that, Chuck. He he published um optics in seventeen oh four. Yeah. But he was doing these experiments in like the sixteen sixties. Yeah. Um and he didn't publish this stuff, in part because he could not handle being challenged. No, or criticized. He didn't like that. He did not like it. And he he got into it a lot. Like part of the scientific revolution that was going on was that scientists around the world, well at least in the West, were arguing with one another, were picking apart one another's theories, yeah. were um corresponding with one another about ideas and sharing all these thoughts. But a lot of it was contentious. And um his first Newton's first nervous breakdown came because uh Robert Hooke said that he stole uh, some of his ideas and then they had it out in the journals through letters back and forth through their uh, whole life yeah and then he also the jesuits didn't accuse him of stealing any of their ideas but um he was he was corresponding with the monastery and they were like we like your, your thoughts, but we think your experiment might be slightly flawed. And he went berserk. He was like,
0: what? Yeah.
1: And then he had a, a nervous breakdown, which was finally completed in 1669, uh, I believe, w- with the, or 1679, I'm sorry, with the death of his mother. Yeah. So he was doing experiments. He started to kind of come out with them publicly. They they were challenged and questioned. He lost his his. He went berserk.
0: Yeah, it probably stems from his rejection from childhood. Of course, I, that's what I would guess. You know,
1: he withdrew, and then throughout the 1670s, didn't do any kind of um, publishing or research.
0: Yeah, it kind of went dark.
1: Yeah. Then his mom dies. And then um he finally comes back out of it, thanks to the help of like Isaac Barrow, and then later on other colleagues like Edmund Haley.
0: Yeah, of Haley's Comet.
1: And then finally publishes. But if you notice the date of the publication of Optics, that comes after Robert Hooke, who is his lifelong arch nemesis, has died.
0: That's right. And, uh, and they never worked it out. There wasn't some, like, uh, Levon Helm, Robbie Robertson deathbed. Hey, I still love you, man. Right. Like they, they died. No, come on. They died bitter rivals. Yeah. 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 Newton and, uh, and right. Hook. No, I know. Yeah. I, I know a band reference is probably lost on most people. Just Google it.
1: Google the band.
0: Yeah. And there's also like a hundred dudes that are like,
1: yes, what
0: a reference. <laughs> uh, what else did he do? How about a little something called the reflecting telescope? Yeah, that's a big one. Uh Back in the day, refracting telescopes were all the rage. Uh, but you couldn't really focus that well on them, <laughs> which is sort of key with the telescope. They'd be like, is that a star? <laughs> yeah, sure, let's call I it a star. Uh, and let's name it after me. Um But they use mirrors. So he said, you know what, dudes, let's use lenses. Uh It can be about one twelfth the size and in focus, boom. Yeah. And all of a sudden.
1: Like if you drop the average size of a telescope down. That would have like, been good enough. Yeah. Even if it still was crappy. To of its size, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he actually improved it as well.
0: That's right. And that got him into the Royal Academy when he presented it at the uh urging of Barrow again.
1: I think that was Barrow that actually did the presenting.
0: Oh, he did? Yeah. But he said, it's this guy. And
1: Newton just stood off to <laughs> the this side, quivering. This guy guy to my left. With his security
0: <laughs> blanket around his shoulders. He had his whoobie. Uh And he also created a little something uh that I hate called Calculus.
1: I and don't cre- even hate calculus because I am that unfamiliar with it.
0: Yeah, I had to take a calculus class, and I wasn't good at it. Uh, the remarkable thing is he created calculus because the limits of geometry. Yeah. He was like, we need more higher level of math to, right. to figure this out, and I'm going to invent it. Not to figure it out, to explain yeah, to make sense of what he figured out. Yeah, so He's cal- like, calculus so- is great with things in motion. Right. And geometry isn't. No. And he was all about, well, not all about, but he was keen on things in motion.
1: Yeah. Well, you kind of needed them. Like you could say, well, this, you know, an ellipse is, is, um, you can describe it geometrically, but you can't really describe an orbit of something. Right. It's motion in the, in an ellipse just through normal geometry. So I'll just invent a, a supersized version of geometry to help explain my discoveries.
0: Yeah. And, um, which it was nuts. Yeah. It wasn't called calculus, though. So it was called the Fluxians, which I think uh, we should bring back, totally bring it back. Yeah. We should call it, everyone should call it the Fluxians.
1: You might as well. I refer to calculus so infrequently that yeah, I true. can
0: just call it the Fluxians. Yeah, and people will be like,
1: what does that mean? Yeah. I'll say, look it up.
0: All right. Let's take a break here, and we will get into uh, the later uh, years of Newton's life when things got a little weird. All right, so we mentioned his lifelong uh, rivalry with Robert Hooke. Um, not the pirate. Not the pirate. Uh, was there a pirate named Robert Hooke? Captain Hook from Peter Pan. Was it Robert? I don't know. He didn't have an E on the no, end. No,
1: I think, I want to say it's James Hook. I think James Hook. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. Um, so not the pirate. Uh, he also had a rivalry with, um, well, he had a rivalry with many scientists, but another dude who claimed he invented calculus... Oh, Liebens. Yeah, Liebens.
1: So that's a weird story, the story of calculus. Yeah. Who invented calculus? Because think about it. People don't invent new, more refined forms of math every day, do they?
0: Well. No, they don't. They think they might.
1: Not even the same. Well, when they come down off the acid, they realize that it's all (laughs) just chicken scratch, right? right?
0: And get this tinfoil hat off my head.
1: So when, when not only Newton said that he created calculus, Lieben said that he did as well within a decade or so of each other. There was quite a bit of hubbub over who actually created calculus. And to make the whole thing even more murky, they had corresponded with one another about the ideas of calculus.
0: Yeah, and scientists aren't, not all scientists, so please don't write in and say, I'm not like that. But scientists, a lot of times in history, some of the more notable scientists aren't big on being like, yeah, we, we totally, like, help each other. It's usually like, no, I invented that. Right. Because that's their legacy. Yeah. I think that they're fighting for.
1: Sure. And sometimes it's definitely pride themselves on their legacy. And Newton was probably one of them.
0: Yeah. And big money.
1: So he, um, he and Liebens had this ongoing dispute and they had their supporters as well who, who disputed. And it wasn't just a Liebens versus Newton in who created calculus. It was also, the Isles versus the continent, and the Catholics versus the Protestants. Yeah. There were a, a lot more divisions to it than just these two men. But from what I can gather, historians now believe that um, Leibniz and Newton independently developed calculus on their own.
0: Really, is that the the modern way of thinking?
1: Yeah, N- Newton probably beat. His notes suggest that he came up with calculus before Liebens, but that Liebens came up with it on his own as well.
0: Okay. Wow, that's pretty remarkable.
1: It is. It's almost like a soccer score. Everybody wins, you know?
0: (laughs) Uh, He also, in the dark years, we talked about when he sort of fell off the radar and wasn't publishing much. uh, That's when he was getting into the alchemy, um, which we said um, ranges. What it really was was sort of a precursor to chemistry in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we look back on it with a little more understanding at the time though it was illegal up until like i think of about tw- his birth 20 oh right before his birth uh-huh. it was actually illegal cuz it was i guess sort of like a, one of the dark arts or something
1: yeah and they were burning people at the stake for practicing alchemy right which again at the time it was a little fruity you know but <laughs> it wasn't so much so that a, a it wasn't – science wasn't necessarily so close to the concept of mystical truths as it is today. Right. Um. So you could conceivably be uh, involved in scientific inquiry and find yourself going down this alley of alchemy. Yeah. Even still, Newton was like, eh, this would be bad for my name and I might right. be fired if they found out that I was into alchemy. And so he kept it a closely guarded secret.
0: Yeah. Not only did he, but his family after his death kind of kept that stuff quiet for a while. Right. Uh, and i think it was the early 1990s when all of his works were finally published
1: and they were like whoa this yeah. guy was really <laughs> all over the place
0: a out there uh we also mentioned earlier briefly that he thought that um he thought that alchemy was uh like an, an- ancient riddle mm-hmm. um and it was up to him and other uh
1: up to him jehovah sanctus unus
0: yeah to figure it out and the a- answer is out there and he's one in, in a line of great men chosen to do so yeah a little screwy yeah at this point right or am I being cold he believed in the philosopher's stone
1: I have a tremendous amount of respect for him having a, a scientific mind that was open to yeah sure all sorts of stuff and
0: again this was the 17th century so let's cut him some slack yeah uh, but he did believe in the philosopher's stone which was thought to uh, aid in alchemy cure disease and and um, uh, some think or thought that, uh, like, the key to eternal life was in the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Philosopher's Stone, sorry. Right. Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Stone, that's a whole different thing. A
1: little different. <laughs> and, Chuck, um not only was he into alchemy and mysticism as well, um he also was very much into, uh, like, obscure... Christian stuff too. Yeah. So, like, one of his pursuits that he amused himself with on the side was chronology. Yeah. He wanted to. He believed the Bible was a literal history of um the the world. The world. Yeah. And that the prophecies in the Bible were directly from God, who could who who could see to the end of time and knew everything that was going to happen already. Right. So everything in the Bible he called a um, history of future events basically. Who, that's a better name. And so his whole thing was if you can go back now that we understand timekeeping better and astronomy, you could go back and sync um things that happen in the Bible yeah. to current astronomical dates, you can put a current date on them. So you could say when, um, you know, this happened when the, the, the walls of Jericho actually fell. Yeah. Cause he believed all this stuff happened or right? when something might happen in the future. Exactly. And apparently he did just that. He interpreted this one section of the Bible about the end of the world coming and he dated it to 2060. Yeah. Coming up. We'll see. So, uh, I read a, a a little blurb from a scholar of on Newton who said like he this was something he did to amuse himself in private. It was never meant for public right. consumption. Yeah, but he probably would have believed that he got that date right. Oh, really? Yeah he he worried about getting dates wrong and didn't think that people should mess around with stuff like that because you are fallible in in, in setting dates like that. Yeah. Um. Which is probably why he never meant it for publication, but he probably thought he was right. Yeah. And that had he lived to 2060, he would have seen the end of the world.
0: Uh, he also dabbled in something called Arianism, which, uh, has nothing to do with white people. Um, it was, it was, it was actually a priest named Arius from Libya. Is he a Libyan priest? Mm-hmm. Who came up with this. And the idea is that, um, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and Christian theology, uh, it disrupted that and said that Jesus may have been created by God, but he is not divine. Uh, if you believe in Arianism, that's what you believe. Right. And, and Newton was an adherent of Arianism, which wasn't super popular at the time. No. Or, or ever, probably.
1: It was basically stamped out by the 7th century. Yeah. And here's Newton in the sixteenth, the 17th and 18th century. He's a holdover. Yeah, who's like, oh, this this makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. What an obscure, arcane thing to think of. And he, he got into religion in college, actually, another weird thing to do, even at that time. Yeah, that's when you get out of religion. Sure, that's <laughs> when you start to question things, right? That's when he got into it. And yeah. Apparently, one of the first things that he did, he was a bit of a prude. One of the first things he did was um write down a list of every sin he ever committed. Yeah. And they weren't exactly groundbreaking. Like, um, Silverman points out that one of them was uh, he broke the the Sabbath by baking pies One Sunday. How dare he? Like, this is the kind of sins that he's like, he also said he
0: wanted to burn his mother and stepfather alive in their home. (laughs) Right. Which was one of the sins he recorded. So he did have a darker side. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Oh, he really did? Yeah. That wasn't a joke.
1: Oh, I thought it was, I was like, that was a weird joke. No, he had quite a range from baking
0: pies to burning his parents alive. Like, just
1: wanting to, though, right? Yeah. Okay. He didn't make an attempt to or anything. No, 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 no. no.
0: That was, yeah, the sin was. Threatening to or wanting to, I'm not sure if he gotcha verbalized it or if he just thought it in his head. Yeah, but he, like he was a re- rejected little kid, and yeah, I'm sure he did that God would have was... been like,
1: yeah, yeah, who wouldn't want to? <laughs> so we were talking about Arianism, though. There's um, it's a very her- her- um, heretical, heretical thought, yeah, that Jesus isn't divine, yeah, but that you should still worship him, right?
0: Yeah. It- it was a very unusual line of thinking,
1: right? And and like critics of that kind of thinking say, well, that that worships um, poly or that creates polytheism because you're worshiping God, but you're also worshiping Jesus, who's not divine. You're a wrong, 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 wrong. And the Council of Nicaea, um, which was a learned council that basically decided what went into the Bible, yeah. Uh, in the fourth century said, uh, no, the Trinity is absolutely correct. And anything against that is heresy. Right. And you should be burned at the stake. So even that, um, I get the impression that his fellow dons at Cambridge knew that he was into Arianism. Yeah. Or if they didn't, they may have suspected that he had unorthodox beliefs about Christianity. And so that just created an even wider gulf between him and, and, the people who he, he saw on a daily basis.
0: Well, he definitely thought that Catholicism and uh, some other like branches of major religions were very corrupt yeah. and not to be trusted. Uh, yeah, he was, he was an odd guy. Uh, <laughs> we can't get that across enough. Um, later in life, but he did not sit on his laurels. Uh, later in life, he was made... Uh, he accepted a position at The Mint, mm-hmm. um, and apparently that that sorta of sounds like the old uh I'm gonna retire as a CEO and work as a consultant. <laughs> like I'll make more money than I did ever before right. for not doing much work. Yeah. Um apparently that was the deal with the mint. You got appointed later on in your life to the mint and you kinda just made a lot of dough and didn't do much. Yeah. He was like, No 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 I'm gonna actually do something he like three years later became master of the mint mm-hmm. and he is the one responsible for changing the English pound uh, standard from sterling to gold. Is that right? Yeah, so he was actually trying to get things done. And
1: he went after counterfeiters? Went after counterfeiters. Pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, not bad.
1: He was also later in life elected the president of the Royal Society of London, which is the Academy of Sciences in in the UK.
0: Yeah, he was a member of parliament. He was elected to parliament.
1: But he, yes, he was twice. And actually he was knighted in 1705. Sir Isaac. And the queen apparently knighted him for political reasons. She wanted to help. He was standing for parliament again, and she wanted to help his chances of being elected. So she knighted him. Wow. Not for his scientific achievements, Oh, interesting. but because of the election of 1705. Huh. It didn't help. He still didn't unseat the guy that she wanted out of office. Right. But he got knighted anyway. Good for him. Yeah. What a complex dude.
0: Yeah. There's a t-shirt just a picture of him, complex dude underneath.
1: And uh, we should we didn't really talk quite enough about it, but he definitely st- stole people's ideas in certain ways. There's a guy named um uh, John Flamsteed and he like Newton used a lot of his work to help form the basis of his theory of universal gravitation. And um Flamsteed I guess rubbed Newton the wrong way. Yeah. And Newton just removed any reference to Flamsteed in his second edition of The Principia.
0: I think all scientists build on the backs of those who came before them. But it'd be cool to say, like, and this would not have been possible without the work of Flamsteed. Right. Not like, oh, you know what? Let's redact that and take his name out of there because I think he's a jerk.
1: I don't like how it's spelled. Yeah. Uh, We'll end with his epitaph, though, because it definitely gets the point across, I think, correctly. His epitaph says, mortals. Rejoice at so great an ornament to the human race.
0: Wow. I thought it was business in front, party in the rear. (laughs) No? No. He invented the mullet, you know.
1: (laughs) Oh, I know. You ready? I'm ready. If you want to know more about Isaac Newton, type those words into the search bar at howstuffworks.com. Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this Don't Yuck Someone's Yum. Oh. Hey guys, after, kisk, listening, kisk. after listening for years, love you guys, your Christmas episode had me yelling at my iPhone, and I decided I need to send a note. Uh, you were both adamant about never even trying fruitcake, and then went on to insult it with open barrels. I probably would have agreed with you three weeks ago, because I'd also never touched a fruitcake or eaten one. However, last week I finally looked at the ingredients, and was amazed. Sugar, molasses, ginger, fruit, loaded with rum. Uh, there is rum in the batter, and when done baking, you actually drizzle with more rum, wrap it in cheesecloth to soak it in even more with rum. The only bad thing I can figure out about fruitcake is that this particular recipe needs to sit in rum for 10 weeks before eating. Wow. Uh, so just because you have not tried fruitcake, you shouldn't be such naysayers. Give fruitcake a break. My nephew has several rules, and rule number four is don't yuck someone's yum.
1: You know, that, that's absolutely true.
0: We were total yum-yuckers. Yeah. Uh, and as, as soon as I read this, I was like, man, I was a yum-yucker. I need to try fruitcake.
1: Apparently, there's this thing going on where Slate was like, beer has too much hops in it.
0: What's the deal? I've seen a lot of and that. And some,
1: somebody like did a takedown of it that went viral that was like, "What what is it to you if you don't like hops in your yeah, beer and drink different it. kinds of beer? Why do you have to publish an article about how you don't like hops? Yeah. At the same time, it's like really, is that taking away from your enjoyment of your hoppy beer to know that somebody at Slate doesn't like it?
0: I think what I've heard the complaint of, and this is on the Stuff You Should Know message board and otherwise, is that non-hops enthusiasts are aggravated that the craft beer movement these days is way too hoppy, and it's hard to find things other than pale ales and IPAs. But that's not true. There's plenty of craft beers out there that aren't. Yeah. IPAs Seems to be that way. There's a lot of IPAs, but it seems like a lot of people love them. That's probably where they're making them. Right. Like, I can't stand barley wines,
1: but you don't hear me saying, I can't stand barley wines. Right. They're disgusting.
0: Much less take the time to write an article about it.
1: Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I guess I'm conflicted about all this. Both sides are wrong.
0: Big shout out to our friends at uh, Creature Comforts in Athens and their delicious Tropicalia, which made, I think their brewery was one of the top five best new breweries. According to uh, maybe Forbes, some big magazine.
1: And a huge shout out check to Boulder Beer Company, who sent us a bunch of
0: huge bombers
1: yeah. that were awesome.
0: And um, a. Uh, I gave the barley wine
1: one to Noel, by the way.
0: Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. He like just soaked his beard in it and let it seep in.
1: Yeah, and while we're talking about free booze. I was lucky enough to take home the shaker and spoon box that got sent to us. What's that? It's like Blue Apron, but for cocktails. Ooh. They send you everything but the booze, including like a zester. I needed a zester. Like all the different kinds of like um, Demerara syrup and everything you need, plus cocktail recipes. You've been enjoying it? Oh, it's already long gone enjoyed. Gotcha. They were great. It's just like add bourbon and follow the recipes. But they're like really sophisticated, smart recipes that you may never try. Yeah. That are like all the ingredients you need and easy instructions. So it was good. And the guy said, I think his name is Mike. He said if you and Jerry wanted a box, he would totally hook you up. Uh, Tinctures? I I strongly recommend it. Yes, there were more than one tincture in the box.
0: Uh, And um, to follow up, this is the longest listener mail ever. On the Brooklyn, or I'm sorry, the Boulder uh, uh, Beer Company, uh, your hoodie t shirt that you sent me uh-huh. is one of my favorite new shirts. Yes. And I wear it all the time. Yes, he does. All right, so that. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh-huh.
1: We might as well thank Little Bit Sweets for the nice character oh, that yeah. she sent us. And as thank always. you very much to Mona Collentine and her family for sending the box, the annual box of uh, Christmas goodies.
0: That so that's always a, so a precursor to our. Uh, uh, administrative administrative details.
1: Details. Oh, and thank you to the Hex. They sent us like a <laughs> bunch of Karaba's gift certificates that we're going to use for lunch. Oh, really? Yeah, and a bunch of other stuff too. But I mean, like they sent us a significant amount of Karaba's of, uh, gift certificates.
0: You got those in your wallet?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I got them tucked in my cheek.
0: Uh, so that is from uh, Carolyn from New York and her nephew. We didn't mean to yuck the yum.
1: Yeah, you're right, nephew.
0: Yep. Sometimes kids can set adults straight. Yeah. Just... Don't do it much, or you'll get the old belt. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding.
1: Uh, if you want to get in touch with us to send us stuff, to send us an email, to take us to task, who cares? You can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. You can join us on facebook.com slash stuff You can tweet to us at SYSKpodcast, and you can hang out with us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.